When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Cross Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I'm Bob Wankel. And Anthony, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot right off the jump. Here. here we go. Let's do it. One word. One word to describe the 2023 Phillies through 50 games. Well, dis- disappointing. I mean, I, to me, that's I mean, that's pretty cut and dry. I thought you were going to really challenge me there for a second. Now it's we're recording slightly earlier than we usually do, you know, because I know you were fired up this morning, and I wanted to, uh, and you wanted to kind of maybe challenge me there. But no, I, they're the most dis- they're disappointing at this point. Um, yeah, you know, I, I wanted to get right into it. Usually yeah. in, in the lead in, I go through a little forty five second. This is what we saw, and I'm going to yeah. bring you in. And what do you think? And no, honestly, but- I, I have two words. I have two words right now. You you hit one of them. Yeah. And I guess it's a Captain Obvious question, but the other one is exasperating. I mean, this team, this team, you watch this game play out against Atlanta, and it's one game, right? It's one game. Yeah. So to get on a podcast and start ranting like a lunatic over one game I think would be silly. But I just go back now, and let's just take the whole week and what we've what we've absorbed this week with this three-game series against Arizona and then what we saw on Thursday night in Atlanta. And everyone's treating this game on Wednesday like it's the win of the season. It's going to spark them. And, oh, man, they avert the sweep, and now they can gain some momentum. Has Have you not been paying attention? Like, if you thought that Wednesday's game was all of a sudden going to spark a 10-game winning streak, you just haven't been paying attention. This is a team that has – Three starting pitchers right now. It's a team that's playing with a, a utility bench guy in the lineup, at least one every single night, sometimes two. It's a team that cannot hit with runners in scoring position. And it's a team that, for whatever reason, whether it's Sir Anthony Dominguez, who I knew who had been on a pretty good run up until this past week against Arizona, and he looked okay last night, or Gregory Soto, who either looks like one of the nastiest relievers of all time or gives up a field goal when he comes in. Like, there's just not enough consistency with this team. They cannot do the little things consistently enough to overcome some of the talent deficiencies on this roster. It, it, I I am mystified by this. Like, I really am. There's part of me that says, and here's my rant, there's part of me that says, this is a flawed team. What do you expect? Like, let's get real about what the Phillies are. They're a team that's probably going to hover around 500, and maybe they get hot, or maybe they don't. But then there's also part of me that looks at the Schwarbers and the Castellanos's and the Real Mutos and Harpers of the world and expects more. And the Aaron Knowles of the world to not go out and give up three home runs last night mm-hmm. and get tattooed across six innings. And what are you supposed to do? Applaud the fact that he hung in there and gave him a fifth and sixth and they didn't get run out in the fourth? Like, is that is that the goalpost for Aaron Nola right now? So, you know, I, I kind of just teeter back and forth between these two worlds of just accepting what this really is and still feeling like there should be a lot more there. 
Well, I, I do think that I do think they are a flawed team, but I also, but I mean, you know, who isn't a flawed team other than maybe the Braves, right? Who they're yeah. who they're playing, right? Um, and you know, Dodgers, but there's there's only a, a, a choice few teams that don't have flaws. So I I'm willing to accept flaws, right? And that's maybe why I I tend to be a little bit more practical or a little bit more patient, I think, with this team at times. But you're right in the sense that th- who beyond Harper right now is living up to their expectation? Beyond Harper, who on this team right now is living up to their expectation? And I don't think I'll give I'll give I'll give Bryson Stott in in totality of his season. I, okay. I will give Bryson Stott. Okay, that's that's about it. That's Real, what... Muto's been, Real Muto's been aggravating at times, but I think overall, big picture has been. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a few guys that have been okay. I mean, you probably put Castellanos into the okay category there too. Right. Um, uh, you know, you know, a couple of the, I guess I would say, you know, even lately Kimbrell's been in that kind of, you know, okay, fine. He's in that mode too. And then, you know, even though he's hurt, I would say Alvarado probably fits in that. But other than that, no one else is living up to who, what, what they should be. There've been guys who've been close. There've been guys that have shown flashes, there are guys that are way the hell off. So that, you know, that's where the the disappointment comes in. That's where the exasperation, and you say they're exasperating. That's where the exasperation comes in. And this week is really especially so because you can tell against, once the once it switched to, that they were playing Arizona, you could tell that they had a different mentality, that they knew they were playing good teams now. And if they were going to have to step it up and, and play at another level and, and do things differently. And you started to see it a little bit against the Diamondbacks. Obviously, the big comeback of everybody got excited about on Wednesday. And then you saw it some last night. I mean, they, they to their credit, they hit with the Braves last night They against a left-handed pitcher. Granted, he's a rookie, right, and a rookie who has struggled. But they haven't hit that kind of pitcher all season. If you look go back and look at the lefty starters they faced this year, there's a lot of guys with six point whatever ERAs, and the Phillies yeah, haven't hit them. Absolutely. Right? I mean, what I texted you before the series started. I said you could make an argument. I said you could make an argument that the first three games of this series, the Phillies actually have the advantage in terms of pitching matchups. And you were quick to point, yes, you know, I hear you, but the first two guys throw from the left side, and we know what that has meant to this team. Uh, to this point. So I do give them credit. And you're right. They did hit with the Braves a little bit, at least early on last night. And you know, Kyle Schwarber late with the with the double that probably should have scored two runs. And I get that. And I give them a little bit of credit for falling behind 5 nothing on Wednesday and grinding their way back. But, like, I'm, I'm kind of tired of giving the Phillies their flowers for, well, they averted the sweep or they didn't go – eight games under or you know they they competed with the Braves who we know are better than they are like that's fine but like yeah and I think I think that the point here too is Bob is that maybe it's sobering to them a little bit maybe it's sobering to them maybe they're like we are going out there like a little game like last night and yeah okay you you didn't get the greatest start from Nola and Soto blew up in in the in the eighth and that you know that leads to eight runs for the Braves and they put up five but maybe they look at it and just say yeah, we are. This is what we are. And this is what we are right now is not good enough. Maybe this is maybe this is the wake up that management needs to say, if we really want to be part of this going forward, 
we need there something needs to change and needs to change soon i was actually going to wait until the the second half of the show to propose this to you but i guess we're we've arrived at this point a little bit sooner if the phillies get swept by the braves and i i'm not I don't foresee that. I, I think that they get one, may, maybe they get out of there with the split. I really thought that the split was the thing going in, but yeah. I kind of thought that last night was going to be a win. No, look, you're happy that. if you get a split out of this series. Yeah. You're happy with I, I agree. Like, I understand they're playing from a position, uh, you know, a, a trailing position. They need to make up ground. But I don't think it's realistic to expect the Phillies to go into Atlanta, given what the Braves are, given how the Phillies have played and think that they're going to win three out of four or have, you know, certainly sweep the series. So a split, I think, is fine. But they're in danger here. Of you, you lose three out of four. You find yourself nine games back. You get swept. You're 11 games back. If I had to make a prediction right now, and I said it earlier this week, I would say that the Phillies, I still think, end up being one of those three wild card teams because you look at the National League mm -hmm. and you look at what they're competing against. Although I will tell you that, I'm pretty convinced the Diamondbacks are going to be one of those three wild card teams. I don't want to get ahead of myself just because I saw the Diamondbacks win a series in Philadelphia this week, but I like that team. They give they don't give away at bats. The, the offense it's not like the Diamondbacks throw up a ten spot against the Phillies in any of those three games, but you just watch the way they work, and I'm like, damn, like there's something to it. Like I like their vibe right now. They're probably a starting pitcher away from from maybe being like a legitimate 88 win team. I think. But then beyond them, I mean, I see your face. I don't know. I know you've been Mr. Pro Diamondback. I don't know if you're walking back from that. I'm not, I'm not walking back. I'm, I'm very pro Diamondback because I think that there's a lot there, and they're going to be a team that's going to be good for a while. I, I just don't want You don't know that they're there yet. I don't, you don't like, like their pitching at, at all. Other, other than Gallon and Kelly, I don't I don't like the bullpen a little bit. I mean, you could you saw the one thing that you could – you know, if you watch those three games, that Tori Lavolo, who I like a lot as a manager, he's – I think he's guessing at, on, on any given night. Nobody has a real role. He's just trying to figure it out. I mean, when you're trotting out three different guys to, cl to try and close out three different right. games, that what does that tell you? And, and, it, and it's, not like, it's not like you say, oh, well, that's the right matchup. It's, these guys are just, just guys. Miguel Castro, it's, it's, it's uh, Andrew Chafin, it's, it's the Ruiz guy. It's, it's, they're not good. I also look at it and say, like, that that lineup actually gives consistently quality. I, I, I love the lineup. Energy, and it doesn't play with this malaise that you get out yep. of this Phillies team. Love the lineup. And I know that a, a month or two from now, we could be look, talking about an entirely different story. Like, the one thing I will say, you use the term, like, red line players or red light players, yep. I should say. Yep. And you saw that a little bit last night. Schwarber, as bad as he's been, he's in 168, comes yep. up in a big spot, doubles him. The right. like, that's the thing, I think, if you're a Phillies fan this morning, as bad as all of this has been, you're like, okay. When you get into these big spots, they do have players, veteran players that have been successful, that tend to kind of rise to the occasion. I thought Alec Bohm last night, you know, his home run early on, you're like, okay. You know, when it really, really matters, we saw this team in big spots last year do it there's a reason to believe maybe they can kind of reach back into that and do it again. But it's those, it's, it's that consistency that, that just such erratic play that it makes me, it makes me feel like that they might not. Uh, it makes me feel like they might not. I'll tell you, but the, the whole thing with this week, the, the, the eye opener for me is, is I watched how they've played and, and really competed in all honesty. I mean, look, you could get frustrated by a couple of those losses against Arizona 
there was the one game where defense kind of killed them a little bit and you say, okay, well that was, that's stupid. Um, but I, I, I look at it and I say, there's a comp- the, the, the Philly compete level, right? That we got the thing that we fell in love with as a team last year, right? You, that, you know, not the resilience that we always talk about, you know, it's there, it's, it exists, but why does it only show itself when they play good teams? Like that, if they, it's the difference I think between what you liked about the Diamondbacks and what you're not liking about the Phillies is the Phillies don't seem to turn that switch on all the time. They only feel like they have to, when it's the most important time to do, to do so. And at at times, yeah, guess what? They're able to pull, pull a loss out of a, I mean, a win out of a loss. Right. Um, And, you know, but then there's also times like last night where, they play a, a, a mostly good game with, but they but they can't guarantee that the pitching is going to come through when they think it's going to come through, and you lose a game because you're playing a really good team that's you not going to fall off. Really you're playing a team that's probably going to win 103 games this yeah, season. Yeah, this is that, but, but, but that's hey, what I'm saying. Well, here's my thing, Anthony. Here's the difference. Play like that against the Reds. Yeah, and if you and the Rockies, you know, if you take care of business against these lesser teams, you'll be in good shape. And and there's no question about it. You don't have to win three out of four against teams like Atlanta to get to where you want to go. Well, as long as where you want to go is the postseason. If it's winning a division, then yes, like you, you actually do have to beat these elite level teams occasionally. But my problem is this: like we can talk about resilience and talk about red light players, and we can talk about you know elevating your play when it matters and all that. Well, first of all. They are one and three this week. So it's not like they've actually won these games. But the reason they're one and three is because you do see that that compete level that you mentioned is is there. I think it's there. They competed in those games against Arizona. They had opportunities in those games. They didn't do it. But, but it's hard to raise your compete level and actually win when you're number one or number two starter. And I'm not – we're not doing this today. We're not going to do the Aaron Nola thing today. He didn't pitch well yesterday. I just want to talk about the one start. He wasn't good enough last No, he wasn't. He last night you wake up and you know like dude has a four six era like it's it's memorial day now like that's not good enough and i'm not saying that he's not a good pitcher i'm not saying they shouldn't resign i'm not doing that today but what i am telling you is that he was not good enough in the first game of a of a very pivotal series where they they needed more than that last night. right i mean and look, and I'm the first one to defend him because I think people are overly critical of Aaron Nola. And you can't go, you, you know, you shouldn't expect a guy like Nola to go into a, a game in Atlanta against this Braves team, against that lineup, and, you know, shut him out, right? That's not going to, you know, you shouldn't expect that. If it happens, that's unbelievable, but you shouldn't expect it. You got to expect he's going to give up a little bit, right? You got to expect he's going to give up two to three runs. Okay, fine. Uh, you know, and so when the offense is putting up five, that should be enough to win when you got a guy like Nola on the mound. The fact that he gave up five runs is not good enough, you know, and, and, and you look at it, you know, he hasn't given up three homers in a game since 2019. But it, but the thing of it is to say, OK, you, you can sit there and go, all right, whatever. I mean, look, that, that kind of stuff happens against a good team. But the con- the concern is, is that when you look at his again, his velocity is way down again. And so what? When you have a, a difference in pitches of a fastball to a changeup that's only two to three miles an hour, that doesn't make your changeup or your fastball effective. You know, I mean, yeah, he had that great inning where he struck out guys. He got nine swings, three straight batters, and struck three guys out because his curveball was freaking awesome for twenty minutes. Like, right, and, and that's and that's it. But aside from that, the fastball changeup—if you're going throwing ninety and eighty-eight and ninety and eighty-seven. Yeah, that's not good. That's not going to work. So something's got to give there. 
But assuming it doesn't, like, let's just say that he doesn't find two to three miles an hour consistently on his fastball for the remainder of the year. Do, do they have enough here? Like, I think that that's where I, I think that that's ultimately what we're looking at. So people will say like, ah, you know, come on, it's May 26. You're overreacting. Or a lot of people aren't. They're actually, you know, I don't want to say that everyone feels like that. There are actually a lot of people that are like, this team's fucked. Like, this is over. You know, like that, there is that sentiment. Now, I don't feel that way at all. Is is I come into it and I I understand why fans are frustrated. I understand why why people are ready to rip their hair out. I understand why there's some doubt creeping in. I think that's all fair. I would not write this team off. I don't think we're anywhere close to that. I think you have to kind of pump the brakes and realize where they're at in relationship to other teams in the National League Wild Card. You have to understand that this team has has whatever it is. I don't know how high the ceiling is, but they they have not met that yet. Whatever the ceiling is, they have not come up to it. But, but the question I do think when you step back and look at this and say, can this team compete this season? If, if this is Aaron Nola, like let's just say this is the, and I've, I've, I've heard the comparison made a few times now. He's 2009 Cole Hamels. Okay, that's what we're looking at here. He's a guy that went deep into the playoffs. He's still a really good pitcher. Let's assume that there's a bounce back in his, his future. But this year, it might just be one of those years. If this is one of those years for Aaron Nola, can this team can this team get there with a Zach Wheeler at ninety two percent of what he's been? I mean, he's been pretty good running some bad luck, but he hasn't been vintage Zach Wheeler. And then you have all these question marks behind him. Like we haven't even talked about what we got out of Ranger Suarez on Wednesday, and like what, what do we what do we take from that? So if if Aaron Nola isn't Aaron Nola though, then, then what? You know, does, does no. It matter? I, to answer to answer your question, no. I mean, it, and it's both it's both those guys. They need those guys to be themselves. If they if if Aaron Nola and and Zach Wheeler are going to be you know a, a one per one run higher ERA than they we usually get from them for the remainder of the season, can, could they possibly still sneak in? Yeah, are they going to make the run that they made last year? No, no, they just aren't. So- I mean, that's just. You know, I mean, that's the answer. I mean, you know, they need them to be them. And, and, you know, they need other guys to do to do other things, too. But but you if you can't if you expect to make a make the playoffs and then make a make a, a dent in the playoffs, make a run in the playoffs when you have zero starting pitching living up to its expectation. No, it ain't going to happen. It's just not. That's, pitching is the game. More than anything else, we go talk about home runs. We can talk about great lineups all you want. When it comes down to it, it, pitching is what matters the most. And if you don't have it at a, at a level of expectation for the pitchers that you have, you're not winning anything. So this is the second time. I actually thought we were going to get there about five minutes ago, and then I, I sort of detoured us. And now we're running up against what I want to come to right now, which is, okay, this is where they're at. They're 23 and 27. All that talk about the disastrous start under Joe Girardi. And they were 21 and 29 after 50 games. Mm-hmm. Well, they're only two games ahead of that pace right now. So if, if 21 and 29 was disastrous, this is on the brink of disaster. They're not going to fire the manager. So like, let's get that out of the way right now. Like they're not going to fire the manager. And, and we had this conversation earlier this week when things don't go well, when, when a team underperforms and I get it, like you, I think it is fair to be critical of what you've watched, some of the lack of focus at times from this team, outfielders thrown to the wrong bases, base running issues early in the season, 
seems like every starting pitcher came in behind schedule, hasn't been able to pitch to what people reasonably expected them, you know, to pitch to in terms of numbers. There's, a, I think, a lot of criticisms that are probably at least fair to discuss. But they're not firing the manager, nor should they. Right. So what are they going to do? Because I think that one thing that most people are, are looking at here and saying is, this isn't going to get it done. And they, they pulled the fire the manager card last year, and it sparked them. And they're not going to be able to play that card this year. So what are they going to do? And so then you start to look at the personnel side of things. And I before we dive into this, because I, this is really where I wanted to take the show today. Like, how do you fix the Phillies? I've gotten a lot of messages. I don't know if you have uh, either, uh, but... I've gotten a lot of messages on Twitter about Kevin Long and for all of this talk about how he's the the best hitting coach in major league baseball. And, you know, he's a savant and he's able to untap all this potential with players that haven't figured it out. You look up and you, you see the runners and scoring position issues. Um, certain players have just not met their expectations. Trey Turner has been a disaster. Hey, you know, what's up with the hitting coach? Maybe it's time to unload him. And the only thing I would say to that, and I actually, you know, responded to a couple people, and I just said, listen, this is one of the most well-respected hitting coaches in baseball. The players rave about the guy. It's been 50 games. They're coming off of a World Series appearance. Let's just say, even if you wanted to make that change, which they don't, but if you if you wanted to make that change, what does it look like to the rest of, of the league, to the rest of the industry, when you have a well-respected, reputable hitting coach who's loved by his players coming off of a World Series appearance and you let him go? If you're a good hitting coach, you're like, oh, yeah, let me line up to take the Phillies job after I saw that go down. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Now, I'm also the guy that probably, to some extent, I didn't go full Rosenthal last year and say changing the manager is, isn't going to help this at all. It's not going to fix the problems. The players play, the manager manages. Like, it, it mattered. There was a, a tangible, real difference. You could see it, you could feel it when they made the change last year. So I'm not saying that changing coaches can't work or doesn't work. But in this case, I don't see that whatsoever at all. Like, Cotham, Long, Thompson, I don't see it. I just don't think that that's – I do not think that that is a fix. No. No, you're, I think you're spot on with that. Uh, more so with Long than with Cotham, but I think that – I think both are, are very safe. Um, you know, I do think that there are a little there, – there can be some questions that you ask about the pitching side of things. Obviously, with the pitching being so inconsistent and not being where it's at, um, and, you know, if we're going to flash back two and a half months to the the famous elevator ride when they knew in spring training that the pitching wasn't what it needed to be. Right. Um, and so then you got to question the off season plan and everything else that happened. So, so maybe there's a, you know, an undercurrent of concern that, you know, or, or something that could happen there, but I still don't think it's, I still don't think it's where it needs to you know. That, that either one of them are in danger. So no, that's not going to happen. So if, it, if we're trying to fix the Phillies, firing an assistant coach or you know or the secondary coach that's not going to happen so so then you say okay well what's next I, I will say like the only thing i will say is a lot of it for me is is about 
time frame and sample. Like, if you get to the end of this year and the Phillies win 73 games yeah. and they're a bottom eight offense, like, there's going to be some hard questions that get asked. Right. There's going to be some hard decisions to make. And I'm not saying that these guys are Teflon and that nobody could ever, because the 2022 Phillies made the World Series, you can't ever make a change on this group. I'm not saying that. I'm saying 50 games in, that's pre- way premature. Correct. That's, that's my point. Correct. And your, your, your point is well taken. So then, so then the th- what you say is, is then, well, then what can you do? And this is where this is where Dombrowski gets gets tested, right? Because when he's faced these these situations in the past, he's burned his system in the sense of okay, I need to go get players, and I'll I will trade away our our better prospects and empty the cupboard. He has been re- resistant to that since he's gotten here because he knew he's got he knew he had to rebuild this system. Right, he knew he had to rebuild the 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 cupboard and refill it, and because the Phillies farm teams have not been good over the past few years. But now, Bob, you look at it; the Clearwater Threshers are blowing through Low A. I mean, they have they're dominating. They're the best team in Low A baseball. It's 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 not even close to how good they are. So there's obviously some really good talent down there at that level, which is which is good for the Phillies down the road, right? That's great. But how can you use that to help the team now? Do you then make the decision to part ways with some of that future talent that that is obviously pretty good and help this current major league roster? Or do you say we we're rebuilding this so that this doesn't get to be like it was four years ago, five years ago, where you have nothing in your system. It's a, and I think that's where we're coming to his Waterloo, right? He has to make a decision on on what's the most important thing for the franchise. I, I'm curious, you know. So, so I think there's a few different ways to approach this. The, the first one is they're, they're not going to do anything drastic in the next – I don't think at least until the middle of June. Correct. Right. Like correct, and, and maybe even and longer. Like, let's be real. The the bulk of deals get done. Maybe even July longer. Yeah. Forward, right. We're we're probably forty five days out from really talking about reshaping a roster, adding, subtracting. But if you wanted to get aggressive and get ahead of this thing and say we we need that jolt, we need it now, you probably start entertaining these conversations the middle of next month. Yeah. Um. Okay, so the first thing is going to be, is it worth it? Is it worth entertaining these conversations mm-hmm. about making meaningful additions by the time it comes, or, you know, by the time we get to a point where it actually you can engage in these conversations and make such a deal? If the Phillies are nine, ten games under five hundred with a, a veteran-laden group, a very expensive one to boot, like, I don't. I don't think that you're necessarily in a just because you came in in 2023 as a defending national league champion and and have all these playoff aspirations and championship aspirations. I don't think that makes it an automatic buy. I, I just don't. Yeah. I, I think that the situation is obviously going to dictate that. Now I don't know what the situation is going to be, so let's just focus on what we know right now. Let's just say, and I think this is pretty reasonable because we've talked about resilience, their ability to not let it get out of control. I kind of uh, am 
a little bit bearish on their ability to get 10 games over 500 anytime soon. So like, let's just assume they're sort of where they're at right now. They're hovering around a wild card spot outside looking in. Is this a matter of let's go out and how many times are we going to hear the name Lucas Giolito over the next six to eight weeks? Yeah. Is is this a matter of going out and, and doing that and just bringing in, a, you know, addressing the need, go get a right-handed back, go get Lucas Giolito, and that'll be enough to get this team where to where it wants to go. Or is it a situation where you kind of do what you did last year, where you get some fringe pieces, maybe you get a little bench help, maybe you get somebody that can stabilize the back end of your starting rotation, a veteran type. Or, and this is the third one, I, this has always been my favorite card. This is my favorite card up until – late last season, which is, is there something off with this, with this clubhouse? Is there, is there something that needs to be changed that is a little bit of an eye opener is a little bit of a wake up call. Is there a part that is pretty prominent on this team that might not be here come the end of this season? Is, is, do, do they even have that player? Does that player exist? Does his contract allow him to enter that con- such a conversation? Do you have someone you're going to suggest? I, I, I don't. Okay. I don't. All right. Do you? No. No, I because, don't. Because the contract, like, there are a couple players where I'd say, like, yeah, you know, sometimes I think a team actually just needs to see a piece go to say, oh shit, like we're in a, it's a new, it's a new world here that we're living in. Uh, but I just don't think, from a contractual standpoint, that they have a piece that really makes sense. That you'd say like this will rattle the clubhouse a little bit. Yeah, you know, no, I just I don't see. I don't. It. I don't. I don't see that, Bob, because I, I look at it and and you look at the guys who were really locked in here, right? I mean, I right, look. I mean, they're not going to. The only player who really fits that description you were talking about is a pitcher, and that's Nola. Um, but you're not. If 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 that's where your weakness is, you're not going to trade. Can you imagine a scenario where they're eight games under 500 at the uh, trade deadline, and they say, "Hey, Aaron, you're well, not getting 200." Well, that's a different that's a different conversation, right? If, they're, if you if you reach the deadline and you decide you're not you're you know pulling the plug on the season, I think then we you know we're going to be having a whole different conversation then. But if you're talking about right now, no, you, that, that is what right? Then we're not. Then no, it's not going to happen. Um, that's not where you're going to trade from. And then when you look at the position players. You know the guys that you have here. You're you're pretty committed to them, like for you know the next few seasons, because this is part of this is the the core that you've put together to to you know try and win with, and and you still believe you can win with this core, and I do too. I don't you know we all do. I think still really believe that this group can win. So I I don't know who that would be that yeah. you tra- that you can trade from the team and say. That will wake this team up if we move the, such and such a player. No, so so I, I agree with you, and I'm not necessarily advocating for that. I think in a in certain situations, though, those types of shakeups work. But I don't think on this team, this roster, no. financial commitments that they have. And and by the way, and I think it is worth saying that one of the things that we we sort of applauded with this team was that that clubhouse dynamic. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to say a year later, all of a sudden after 50 games, you got to go blow that up either, but. I do think you have to – what what I don't think you can do is just say, well, it's just 50 games. It's early. We did this last year. Like, I don't think that that's an acceptable way to look at what has happened with this team. No. I, I just don't. 
I think that that's lazy. I think it's it's just uh, it's wishful thinking is what it is. No, and the thing of it is, Bob, is they just and I was trying to you know identify this a little bit. I've been trying to look at it and say, you know, what what is that thing that's missing? Because we all feel it. We all know that there's just something that's not right there. And you know, and I because I've looked at how they've played against the better teams, and I've looked at how they've played against the weaker teams. And they're right now they're eight and sixteen against winning teams, and they're fifteen and eleven against non-winning teams. And you sit there and say fifteen and eleven against bad teams is not good enough. You probably need a couple more wins there. Eight and sixteen against good teams is not good enough. You probably need a couple more. Probably need a couple more wins there. Look, you could be hover around five hundred against good teams if you go through almost everybody's you know schedule and you look at how they play against winning teams most teams are going to be right around 500 against other winning teams it's just the way it is but they beat the hell out of the bad teams okay so if you're the phillies right now there's something that the thing is is they're not playing well enough against either group and it's just like all the all that we just need is a little but if they just were a little bit better against both groups then we wouldn't be sitting here as concerned because we'd probably be saying, hey, guess what? 27 and 23 is okay. So you know what I'm the, saying, right? If, if that's if you had two more wins against each group, you're 27 and 23, and it's like, all right, that's not bad. That's not a bad I start. Feel good about that. Yeah, yeah, you feel good about the, it. The I don't know, the valley between where they're at and where they want to be, when you look at it through that lens is it's, it's not that far apart. It's not that right. wide. It's a, it's a, it's a fine line, but it, it's, it's also not good enough. Correct. Um, and they are on the wrong side of it. Right. Correct. Now. Yes. So they fortunately will be allotted more time to figure out whether or not they can kind of get to where they want to go with this current construction. But I think regardless, you come back to the point that they need to add. They're going to need to make an addition here. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case. How many additions do they need to make? I think at least two. I I mean, I think at least two. But the problem goes, I mean, this is almost like a circular conversation. You started at the top talking about like, well, this is is now the dilemma that Dave Dombrowski's met with. Do you dig into that minor league system? Do you deplete some of that depth and and the progress that you've made over the last couple of years here kind of propping this thing up the system is not a top 10 system it's probably not a top 15 system but it's also not a bottom three system anymore right you know they've, they've made significant progress on this front i don't think that they do a deal of consequence without involving one of griff mcgarry or mick abel correct because like, painter's here They're, he he is not going to be traded right So if you have this depth and you're touting these three guys as all potential uh, top of the rotation, middle of the rotation pieces, one of them has to go. You're you're you you don't want to trade these guys, but if you need an immediate fix and, and it's a player that's going to move the needle for you in 2023, it's going to have to hurt a little bit. So I don't see any team engaging the Phillies on a meaningful piece without insisting upon one of those two starting pitchers. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you a thousand percent. It's like just like what they did last year when they, you know, nobody wanted them to trade Logan Ohapi, right? Everybody, everybody right. liked Ohapi. Everybody heard all great things about him, um, but they had to move him to get Marsh. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to give up something to get something. Um, and so whether, whether it's that, whether you're trading for Lucas Giolito or anybody else for that matter, who's going to come in and stabilize a relationship or add some power to the lineup or whatever, 
you're going to have to give up one of those guys. I, I just think that it's it's an automatic. Um, but can you give up other players too? Can you maybe p- convince teams, hey, you know, take two prospects below those guys, but we'll give you like the next two, like four and five prospects instead of well, the one, issue two, is three. I think because you probably need to make two fairly significant additions here. So not only are you going to burn through and they won't do both. I, I think that two of the three between Painter McGarry Abel stay, Painter being one of them, pick the other one. Right. I, I don't see them just saying like, hey, hey, like let's just deplete all of this. But then beyond that, like you got guys like Johan Rojas and Carlos De La Cruz who's who's kind of surged here up yep. the prospect boards. Like those are the types of players that you may have to get involved with in, in if you want to do this. And again, there's a lot of different considerations. Are you taking on a, a one-year rental or a half-season rental? Or are you taking on somebody that has a little bit of control beyond this year? And that'll probably dictate how much, and I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, but that's probably going to dictate the level of hurt that you're willing to incur uh, in order to do such a deal. But I just think that if you're looking at this team right now, you absolutely need another starting pitcher that has some legitimate upside. I'm not talking about a stopgap number five journeyman i no do not bring me noah Syndergaard this year right. and it's it's nothing about noah Syndergaard. he helped them win last year it, you know his numbers weren't great but but no but that's, what, that's what they needed last year right oh, they needed oh, no. well no oh, go ahead i know go ahead what about what about the the mick they traded away the mick i know mickey moniak we had a, yeah, i think he had a game go ahead home run for the angels the other day um let's talk about mickey moniak in a month get back to me in a yeah month. i know i agree um but uh no 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 i, I agree but the, the difference is is like last year you were you know nolan and wheeler were going well enough that you just said yeah and suarez for that matter yeah. that you didn't you didn't need a, a top of the rotation pitcher you just needed a back of the rotation guy well now you need a guy closer to the top than you did closer to the bottom that's what you need right now, but just because the pitching has not been what it needs to be. So you're right. You need that. And you probably need a right-handed power bat that can play one of four positions, you know, first base, third base, left field, right field. I mean, that's what you need, right? So, so those are the two things that they need more than anything. They probably will need a third thing you know, eventually, but maybe, maybe that is a back of the rotation guy. We'll see. Amazing. Happens, like but... Dave Dombrowski, you're sitting here and saying, like, all right, I'm I'm getting my my minor league system incrementally better. I've I have had a lot of money to spend. You're coming into this season probably sometime around uh, mid January. Yeah. You really like what do I have here? And you go, man, Hoskins, Harper will come back around the All Star break. Yeah. Uh, Real Muto, Castellanos. I believe in Nick. I believe in Nick's bounce back. Kyle Schwarber. I just got Trey Turner. Bryson Stott and Alec Boom are going to take a step forward. My God, this offense is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be relentless. And here we are 50 games in saying, if the Phillies don't go out and get an impact middle of the lineup bat from the right side, they can't win. Yeah. I mean, that's insane what has happened to this team. And certainly it's all about Reese Hoskins and, and him going down when he went down, too. It's not right. like he went down in, in the during the first week in November at the end of the World Series where you have – four months to figure it out right now he went down right that before the start of the season yeah yeah I, i've made this point a, a couple times and i guess it's so obvious it's like why do you even need to say it but i knew that injury would hurt at the time i did i had no clue i had no idea that reverberation that, that you would feel off of it 
I mean, it is it is killing them right now. It is. It is. And I you know I felt like they had the players to get by with it, and I still do. In a, in a lot of ways, I I do because I you know obviously when we looked at it at the time, we're like, well, okay. I mean, you basically take the same lineup as last year and just replace Hoskins with Trey Turner. And so, I mean, you may not, or your power numbers might be down a little bit, but you're, you're overall, you're probably even better. Hoskins is a 30 homer guy. Turner's a 20 homer guy, but the upgrade that you get in Turner's other skills. Yeah. And, right. I mean, so, I mean, it was like, okay. No, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's rooted in logic. Yeah. And then, so I think that, you know, obviously Turner hitting 244 so far and not even be able to get on base and everything else, all his struggles. I mean, I think that's, compounded the, the missing Reese Hoskins. That's, can, I, can I deliver yeah. a take now that we've it took us 38 minutes, 39 minutes before we got to Trey Turner? Yeah, go ahead. He obviously hits the home run on, on Wednesday, and it's a good moment for him and a great sound clip. Good, a lot of good sound bites from Trey Turner this week. Yeah. You know, I think it was after the game Tuesday night. He says, I, I've sucked, mm-hmm. more or less, paraphrasing. No, no, he said it. I've sucked. I've sucked. And then, you know, talking about his mom booing him after that bat that he had before he hit the home run on Wednesday. I see a player who uh, is disappointed in himself, understands why people are upset with him, is reasonably accountable, wants to play better. Like, I think from uh, what you want to hear an athlete say and, and you want him to feel that, feel what the fans feel in terms of frustration, it's all there. Yeah. But... This idea, and I was guilty of this on Sunday when I covered the game, he doubled into the right center gap late. And I I said, maybe that's the swing that gets him going. I, I wrote that in the story. But I also put like an asterisk in front of it. We've said this a lot this year. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a multi-hit game or a couple bloops fall in, you say, oh, maybe this is going to be what gets him going. And so he has this moment on Wednesday, his first really big moment with the Phillies. And he hits a spinner up in the zone. It was a cookie. And I'm not going to take anything away from a guy, especially one that's been struggling to the extent that he's been. But he he kind of just did what he was supposed to do against just a god-awful pitch. And he he ties the game. And and then immediately afterwards, I think that, yes, what was weird about Wednesday's game was, like, I felt like it was the first time that the Philadelphia media at large, like, paid attention to the Phillies. Like it was, everyone gets on the radio. Like this is this is a huge win. It could be a season-defining win. I'm like, have we just reached the point where we're done talking about the 76ers? So now we're gonna overreact to what we're seeing about the Phillies because mm-hmm. that's to me the way I read it. Sure. Like, you know, I you know I like Joe Giglio a lot. Like I'm a big big fan of the him. I I think that he gets a lot of. I understand why people do not love some of the things that he brings to the table. Um, but I think he's a smart guy, and even if he makes it a point that's aggravating as hell, he can he can defend it well. So I'm listening to that show though, and he gets on, and he's you know this is a huge win, and like this could this be the one that turns the Phillies around? And I heard the camera in the morning talking about the same thing. A couple writers, I'm like, yeah, what like what are we? It, it's one game, and like it, he was one for five. Yeah, they they, they all everybody wants wanted it to be the Angels game last year. When, the jumping point, yeah. uh, the, the jump off point on the video yearbook. Yeah, you know that's what they want, and and that's what they're looking for, and they're they're and and you get it right because you want you didn't expect this team to be struggling like it is, and so you're looking for that 
that moment that gets it going in the other direction. It's, well, maybe that's it. You come back from a 5 nothing deficit, Trey Turner, who struggled for 48 games, all of a sudden he's the, the hero, yeah, and it, yeah. and everybody goes in the other direction. Yeah, it's a great story. It is it's, a great it's, story. It's a great story you want it to play out. If you're, if you're invested in this team, of course you want that to be the thing that gets him going and gets the Phillies going. Yeah. But what did he, what did he do last night? <laughs> he was 0 for 5, right? So I, I don't think that we can – I don't think we can do this anymore. I don't think we can do the, like, is that going to be the swing that turns him around? What's going to turn him around is him doing the work, being more selective at the plate, stop chasing everything. Yeah. Like, it, it's simple. It's it's not about, I, I don't think that his problems are, and maybe it's part of the equation, maybe it's a very small part of the equation, but I don't think this is about him getting in the box and saying, like, my contract and my expectations yeah, yeah. And, you know, oh my God! You know, I'm a thirty million, and the, there's a fan booing me, and so I'm not going to get. I can't get a hit. I I don't believe in myself. I don't think it's that at all. I, I just think he's a guy that's literally swinging at everything. And maybe there is something to say about pressing and how that translates to expanding the strike zone to astronomical chase rates. But it, it, one swing isn't going to fix this. It, it's about consistency. Mm -hmm. It's about a consistently better approach. And whether or not he runs into a spinner up in the zone and belts it over the left field wall to tie a game in a big spot, like that's it, it, it's not that simple. Do you, do you know that he's second in Major League Baseball in O2 counts this year? Because he, because he just gets in the box and it's foul, foul off a hittable pitch or chase one that's out of the zone. You know, who's, do you know by the way, do you know who's first? Uh, Stott. Yes. <laughs> so the yeah. Phillies have the top two guys who are batting one, two in their lineup yeah. facing the most zero two counts in baseball. And you wonder why the lineup struggles a little bit, right? Well, it brings me to this point. I actually tweeted this out before the horrendous Trey Turner at bat. So it was two at bats prior to the home run, but we're at a point with him where I don't think he should be hitting at the top of the order anymore. And I don't mean yeah. leadoff. I mean second. And I know that the immediate response is going to be, well, who should? And I get that because it's not like that this lineup is, is full of hot hitters or an obvious replacement. I, I You talk about what can the Phillies do? Well, if they can't make a blockbuster trade to elevate the roster and they're not going to ship somebody out of here that has a lot of clout in the clubhouse, and you don't want to hit like panic buttons, but I do think that one thing that they can do without firing people or changing the coaching staff is say, okay, we're 50 games into this. And I'll give them the Atlanta series too. Like I'll, I'll let this play out through Sunday. Let's see what they do. They wake up on Monday morning, 11 games behind the Braves, nine games behind the Braves. They lose three out of four, get swept. I do think it's fair at that point to say, let's take apart all of the different puzzle pieces from this lineup. Let's not go on what we thought these guys were going to be. Let's go on what they currently are. And I think that you have to make a serious consideration about not just tweaking a lineup, but potentially totally reconstructing the way it's built. Um, Trey Turner does not see many pitches. His chase rate is insane. He does not put the ball in play enough. He's not hitting for power. He's not stealing bases when he is on. What has Trey Turner done in 2023 that justifies hitting him second, hitting him in front of Bryce Harper right now? The one guy 
that you feel like is a true legitimate offensive threat, you are putting a brutal, brutal hitter in front of him. A good hitter. A guy that I think when it's all said and done in the back of the baseball card and asterisk disclaimer, I'm not overreacting. But right now, hitting Trey Turner in front of Bryce Harper is fucking insane. (laughs) You're not wrong. You're not wrong. He's got to get moved down. Again, and I've said this before. We talked about this with, with, with Schwarber when Schwarber was struggling. You know, sometimes you move a guy down, even if it's temporary, just to get him right. You know, let him. I, I'm a I'm a believer in letting a guy hit through his struggles and hit through his. You know, especially when you have a track record, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be in prime spots in the lineup while they're doing it. Uh, you know, you can move a guy down, figure it out. When it starts to turn around, okay, now we can move your guy right. back up. Right. Totally. Right. totally. And, and so, like, I think that that's what the Phillies need to do. And the, and I think it's a flaw in their in their approach that something in, – in, look, it worked last year. We know, right? But even if you go back before that, the you know, the seasons before that, when you had guys who were struggling and you left them in those spots – it didn't help. It more often than not, it hurts. Okay, more often than not. So therefore, well, you something. have to make a change. You're, you're very tight, like very tied in with the Flyers. You you have close relationships over the years with a lot of different people in the organization. Yep. Good rapport with players. You've always been fair. I I only know what I know through a through a high school level. My thing is this: I've I've heard it said. Well, if you take Trey Turner out of the two spot, you're going to kill his confidence. You're 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 taking a player who's already doubting himself, and you're just you're really gonna no. you're really gonna tell him, hey, we don't believe in you. We're gonna let you play through it because we have no other choice. Uh, but we don't really believe in you, so we got to move you out of the two hole. I I disagree with that, and I I just wonder, and I know that every athlete's a little bit different, and I'm sure that Trey Turner wants to hit at the top of the lineup, like I he's one of the coming into the season, I'd say he's one of the 30 best players in major league baseball. He deserves to hit at the top of the lineup, but based on where he's at right now, let me just present a scenario to you. And you tell me if this is just fantasy land. I'm Rob Thompson. I bring in Trey Turner. I say, Hey, Trey, look, here's the deal. You you've acknowledged, you know, that you're not playing as well as, and this isn't exactly how the conversation would go, but like, Hey, you've acknowledged that things aren't going well. We all know that. We all know that you're a much better player than this. Here's what I want to do. Here's what we think is probably best for the team right now. We think it would be best if we slot you down to six or seven. You probably don't want to do that. This is going to take some of the pressure off of you. We know you're going to get right. When you get right, we'll get you back in the spot where we believe that, you know, you should be. Is is that conversation overly simplistic, or are we to assume that he is, or players in general are are such like that the, there's like a diva quality? There's they're so self absorbed that they would say like, "How dare you!" I know that I have a horrible chase rate and I'm on pace for 200 strikeouts, and our team is wildly underachieving. But I'm Trey Turner, goddammit, and I'm hitting first or second. You can go fuck yourself. Like, is that? Is that how that conversation's going to go? No, I, I, I don't, I don't get the sense that he's that kind of guy, right? Like, I think there are I players. Either. I get, I think there are players who are like that, and you know, obviously, you have to take each each individual personality into account a little bit differently you know, when you have those conversations. But I don't get the sense that Turner is like that at all, right? But I, so even if he was, like, even if he was, and you're like, 
Okay. You're, you're here for the next 11 years. So, like, let me let me ask you this. Because I, I don't think he's that guy either. But let's just say for the sake of argument that he is. Be angry. Be, be angry. Show me. Show me how stupid I am for proposing that that solution. Like, is, is he going to just turtle up and, and, then, and then, what, hit 140 the rest of the year? Like, I don't see the... I think you have to be honest with players. Like, I don't think you just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you just, and I, I, from what I understand, this this used to happen with the manager, maybe the last two managers. The lineup card would just go up, and two became six, and seven became one, and you never understood why, and there was no explanation. It wasn't conveyed. Right. You look a guy in the eye and say, like, I, I want you to succeed. We believe in you. We just got to do this right now. And you, you're a man about it, and you're you're an open book, and you're transparent, and you talk through it, and show respect. I mean, shouldn't there be enough there that that's a workable solution? I, I agree. I think, and I do. I believe that if the Phillies went that path, that they would not get the get resistance from Turner. I they wouldn't. I, I don't. You know, I don't get the sense from from just talking to Trey. You know, and and seeing how the kind of guy he is. And again, he's very accountable. You know, and he the things that he says and. He's a guy that I I believe would I mean he'd do it he'd go down he might not be happy about it but I don't think he would I think he would put team first by all you know by by all in all certainty he would put team first. The the only part of this that I'm torn on well I guess I'm torn on two things but the first part is like I'm willing to give him this series like if Trey Turner over the next three games goes I don't know one for fourteen. I think it's probably time to, right. to really do this. I'm willing to, I'm willing to go through this brave series. And I, I know it's almost kind of crazy because you're like, you have to optimize now. You have to do everything you can to win these games. Now this is a really, really important series, but I'm almost like, let's see it against this team. Like you guys showed a little bit of fight last night. There were some positives to take away from it. It wasn't good. You didn't win the game. We're not handing out trophies for that, but there were some good things happening. And you did hit that home run on Wednesday. I'm not going to do it to you the next game. I'm not going to do it to you two games after that. I'm going to give you this four-game series. Let's see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Come Monday morning, if they don't get that result, I do think it's something that they really have to consider. Yeah, and I don't think, and I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a big switch either. I mean, it really, in all honesty, the lineup that they have kind of going right now is probably, you know, the right lineup if assuming again we're always assuming that you can't move Bryce Harper out of three right <laughs> um so if that's if, if you're locked into Harper at three the way you have the lineup now it it, it works with that once you know but you got to flip Turner with somebody you probably flip him with Bo, yeah, right flip him with Bo. Yeah. And, and and everything else can stay the same so you're really not screwing up the whole you're not you're not you know putting the whole lineup in a blender and and then coming up with something brand new you're just making one change. Bohm has had some success out of the two hole. I think he's hit like 288 or something like that uh, when he's batted second in his career. So it's not like it's a guy that's you know unfamiliar with the spot. Um, Bohm's not a prototypical two hitter, but it's okay. I mean, again, we're talking something just until Turner gets right, and then you can flip it back again. Um, and then you and you bump Turner down to seven, and that's just and that's just it, man. Put him in that spot. And look, think about it. Bohm bats seven now and has batted there most of the season. And think about all the opportunities that he's had in that spot. Like, and that's something else you could sell to Turner a little bit. Be like, 
you know, look, you know, the way our lineup is constructed, Alec Bohm has come up with runners in scoring position more than anybody else. He leads the team in RBI, right? I mean, like, so he's has the, he's, you're going to still get your chances to make an impact. It's just, let's, we're trying to get people on base ahead of Bryce early. That's what we're trying to do. And, and this should be said because if you're listening to this and I, I don't put this out there, you're going to say, well, guys, Yes, the idea is to put players on base in front of Bryce. Alec Boom, over his last seven games, has a 250 on base percentage. Yeah. Over the last 15 games, he has a 295 on base percentage. Over his last 30 games, he has a 275 on base percentage. Alec Boom has not been, I know he hit a home run last night. He's actually, you know, he's been better, I think, lately. He's not walking at all, though. No. And, Nobody you know, he's, he's not getting on base enough. So, Al Bohm is an imperfect solution to hit ahead of Bryce Harper. Could you consider JT Real Muto in that spot? He doesn't Maybe. walk. He doesn't walk either. Doesn't the the walk problem is, is the guys, the, the three guys that walk in this lineup are all left-handed. And, and so, if your if your counterpoint to me is then none of these guys have the numbers to warrant it, now you're just making a change to make a change. I'd say, I hear you. I, I do. Fair point. Sometimes, though, we've seen it in the past. I can't, you know, sometimes these cosmetic changes, sometimes changes for the sake of change can provide a little jolt. And they're at a point where they kind of need a little jolt. And status quo isn't working. So what is the downside? That would, my, my counter then would be what's the downside to trying for six games, two series? Let's just see, you know? Absolutely. And, and I, I think that that's where they're at. And it, it sucks because it's not rooted in logic. It's not rooted in numbers. It's not rooted in analytics. It's rooted in like a throw it against the wall and just hope that the result's a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and this is why, you know, I gave the caveat that I gave because keeping Harper three and not being willing to bat two lefties in a row limits this limits this group entirely, completely limits this group entirely. The only thing is, if you're going to go Stott, like Stott, Harper, one, two, I don't love it because it. I I know that Bryce Harper can hit left-handed pitching, and I don't think that we should be scared of lefty-lefty matchups with Bryce Harper. But where he's at right now, the splits are crazy. I mean, he has not found his timing yet against left-handers, and he's been awesome against righties. Mm-hmm. So I'm like – I'm more okay pairing up Bryce lefty-lefty once he kind of gets it figured out. But right now, I actually do think the repercussions of doing that would be fairly significant. Yeah. So what if what if you slide him down to four and put Stott at two? Two, yeah. I mean, listen, it's 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 a consideration. I, I, I've said that there has to be a willingness I mean, by bad, these guys. He batted four that, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, like, right. there's got to be a willingness to say, "Listen, we we need to we need to optimize what we have. We're, this is not working. The current mix isn't working." But it's it's always been like the one thing that feels very rigid is him hitting third because we know that there's a preference there, and you, you tend to defer to that. But you know, I, certainly you've you've seen Bryce here since he's come back. He's he's been very good. He's he's been very productive. The frustration both in his mannerisms and I think in, in some of what he has said, 
is is palpable. I think it's it's quite obvious that he is is very upset with the way that this has gone. I think that the frustration is real. There's got to be a part of him that's like, I busted my ass to come back six weeks earlier than anybody would have ever reasonably thought. I'm doing my job and we're not winning. Like that's he's not perfect. Like he's got to take some blame in it, but he's he's holding up his end of the bargain. And there's got to be internally some part of him that's like, what the hell, guys? Like, I didn't come back for this. Yeah, I mean, when you look at what Harper's done so far, I mean, I, I have a hard time finding a game where I go, oh, man, Bryce just didn't deliver when we needed him to, to deliver there. Like, I mean, he's he's been really, really good. Really good. Um, and like you said, it's been otherworldly against right-handed pitching right now. I mean, just yeah. it's crazy good against righties. Um, but, yeah, like, I mean, so, so like, you know, Maybe he feels a little bit like I've done everything that I possibly can. And you would think adding me back, like we did, the team was better before he got back. They were 15 and 13, right? Or whatever, you know, at, at one point. And since Harper's gotten back in the lineup, it's just like, okay, we just stop hitting now because Bryce is back. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's the NBA stand around and watch the superstar play. It's, yeah. it's what it really turned into right, with this lineup. And it's, so, it's, so yeah, that, that's got to be his frustration, I would think, at this point. I, it would be mine. Yeah. It, it would be. I haven't lived the life of a superstar athlete that su- succeeded at a, an impossibly high level for a decade. But I would think that him challenging himself to get back on the field as quickly as he did to try to repeat – what happened last October, and then you you have what happened last May happening again. I just don't think he ever thought that was was going to be possible. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's interesting times. You know, we, we could talk Monday and they could win the next three, and we all feel great about this, and they're five out, and you know who, who knows. I, I'm like I said, I, I kind of want it to go through the Braves. I, I I would not make any big change against this Braves team. Like, let's see what we have. Let's see if our how our formula stacks up. I, I suspect I know how this is going to play out, and I do think at that point you are well within your right as a coaching staff, as an organization, to say, okay, we've now got to do something. You know, and and that's got to be the first thing because that trade you can't just pull that lever on on May thirtieth. No. You can't. I don't. I don't think so. you can either. I, I think. I think you're looking at something that's still a few weeks down the line yeah. before you. Get but there's there. got to be some kick in the ass here, you know. And and I don't think that a closed door meeting, players only meeting, pointing at one another. I mean, I, you know, that that's probably happened to some degree. I'm sure there have been some conversations internally mm-hmm. that have been. Like, I, this is. Not I think true. I. Wrote, I think I wrote it the, the line the other day. Right. It was like you know, hey, sometimes a kick in the ass is more than a slap on the wrist. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it just needs to be. Yeah. So, well, there you go. All's well in Philly's land uh, this morning. <laughs> give, me, uh, give me your one last thing. Yeah. What, 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 what new thing? What, what new thing are you upset what, about? What are we going to bitch about today? Um, yeah. Aaron Boone got tossed out of a, another game yesterday. The fourth <laughs> one this year, uh, second this week, and I can't say that. And while I don't think he's a good manager, I can't say that I disagree with him. Um. And we saw something at the end of the Phillies game or at the end of the Phillies game on Wednesday that was a bit ridiculous. And we've been seeing it a lot this year, Bob, for whatever reason. And I think I have a, I think I know what the reason is, but I want to kind of get pick your brain a little bit. Umpiring behind the plate 
this year has been the worst I've ever seen it. And it's been bad in recent years, right? But this year specifically, they are missing more calls than I've ever seen them miss before. And then you turn into, then you you add in the, the fact that they're, still an elitist group of guys right where how dare you question how dare you, you know, question. question anything that i that i've done here because i'm perfect and it turns into the ump show um and it makes it that much more aggravating for people like us who are watching the games why is it happening and can it be fixed it's happening because umpires are not solely focused on calling balls and strikes anymore they are dealing with Am I enforcing the pitch clock? Am I enforcing the pace of play? Am I making sure that substance checks? Like they're, they're, I think Major League Baseball has placed such an emphasis on game flow that they, and it's new to them. It's, it's a new test. That they, it's a new reality that they have not previously had to deal with. So your focus is not always on what is happening in front of you behind the plate. It's the clock. It's is he on the rubber? Is the battering engaged in the box in time? And so when you have to take all of that information and sure, because you know that that's the point of emphasis, now you have to bear down and make a call. One thing I will say about umpires in general is it is a very difficult job. I, right. you know, we, we get these umpires at the high school level. They come down. They're doing the best they can. These games start at 3.30 in the afternoon. There's not a, a great amount of people to pick from some guys that are probably pretty good at it, work other jobs. I'm always mindful of that, but then I'm, I, I go crazy sometimes when I see some of the calls behind the plate or like not knowing rules. I try to be mindful of that. You get to the major league level, you expect not perfection, but reasonably consistent, good quality work behind the plate. And I think it was uh, in the Boone game where he gets ejected. It was Schmidt who was on the mound. Yeah. I think I read that there were like six or seven pitches throughout his entire start that were on the edge of the strike zone that were called as balls. And you, as a as a manager, like that that could be two outs. That could be a that could be the difference between seven innings of one run baseball and you know five innings of four run baseball. And you're making my guy go deeper and longer and work harder. I get the frustration, but I think it's it's information overload, and then it's d- taking away from what's happening on balls and strikes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, big phone call in the eighth inning of that Phillies game last night was Soto. Now I know he was behind three zero, and I'm not sitting here saying that. And he was all over the place, and and he, it was his fault. What it, happened last night? No, fault. but that, but if he has another pitch there, you don't know. Does he get that? Does he get the guy out? Does he get him to pop yeah. up? Does he get him into a ground with double play? Like, there's a lot of things that can happen in in those spots, right? I mean, one missed pitch can change the whole dynamic. Of of it, it's, it's part of the game. I do. I have a hard time with. Oh, that's just part of the game. Well, why? Why are these momentum shifting calls that? When you have the technology, when you have the means, this is 1977 where a, a guy can get seven inches off the plate because he's because he is who he is because he's Nolan Ryan. You know what I mean? Like you you have technology that that can, and I'm not sitting here even like advocating for robot umpires, but like this shit has to be right. And by the way, like I don't want to take this too far, far off track, but like I always come back to regulated sports betting 
legalized sports betting. These are like real markets. When you bet on sports, you have to prepare for things that you, you know, there are things that happen in the course of a game that when you bet money, like you just got to deal with it. That's, that's the way it works. Guys get hurt, bad calls are made, but like, I, I think that leagues have a, a whole different set of problems on their hands here. It's one thing to say, like, well, I'll determine that at bat. It's determine that inning. But, like, when people are, like, winning and losing hundreds of dollars because an incorrect call is made, I, I think that it begs very, very serious questions. Like, I, I know what non-betters will say. Well, then just don't bet. But when you have this, I mean, we're talking about billions of dollars. It's pervasive. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's billions of dollars, and I just feel like that there's there's got to be a more of a concerted effort to to get this thing more consistent. I do. Um, yeah, I do too. And it's I don't know. You know, someone suggested, well, take the the pitch clock out of the home plate umpire's hands and give it to one of the other guys instead, so one of the base umpires, right? And I get that, but at the same time, you can't. You got to remember the pitcher's not looking at the other umpires. Pitcher's right. not looking at the first base umpire, the third base umpire. He's looking at the home plate umpire. So you don't want a pitcher, you know, mid wind up, and then all of a sudden you hear somebody yelling behind him, "No, no, wait, hold on, no, no pitch, no pitch," and then and then you know hurts himself as he's trying to deliver a ball. So I mean, I, I get it. So this is that's maybe the, the the combination of the two is necessary. I mean, I know that the, it's. They're looking at using the robots. I don't necessarily know if they're going to go full bore to it, but I do think there need there can be a hybrid, kind of like you have in tennis, where you know you have the home plate umpires calling it, and if you think that there's one that's borderline and you want to challenge it, it's a quick five second yeah. thing and look at it, and that's the thing, right? Like you get the ball and strike, and I don't know five, you get five of them. Like yeah. I think there's a lot into the dugout where it's like a buzzer. Yeah. And then the tech comes in, and there's no meeting. Right. There's no stopping. There's no taking off the equipment. It's pause. Nope, I got it wrong. It's actually a strike. Yep. Move on. I mean, it can be done instantly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's. I think that hybrid type thing would work, but you can't. Yeah. It can't keep going like this. It just can't. Now you can't have umpires miss fifteen calls a game. You just <laughs> it's, can't. it's too much. <laughs> It's just too much. It's just it's outrageous at this point. And it's not just you know, it's not just the, the normal sus the usual suspects either, Bob. It's not just the, you know, the same three guys that everybody bitches about that they're bad behind the plate. It's a, yeah. it's almost every umpire, almost every game. And you're right, it's their yeah. lack. They cannot focus on what they need what their job is because they're so yeah. worried about everything else. Not to mention the 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 circus act that you experienced in person on Wednesday that took place with the Rojas Kimbrel nonsense i mean that i don't know what the hell those umpires were doing but i mean like come on man get get it right get some get it figured out like you can't, you can't I'm, surprised, I'm surprised rob uh remained in the game i i thought he was going to come out and and body slam someone yeah <laughs> it was unbelievable what i you know all of that and then you get on the mound and then you get you get the ball you get that automatic ball on the delay yeah i mean it was He's, that the was, batter is baiting the pitcher into yes. doing this to try and get him an automatic ball. You were continually warning the batter about it and then call the ball of the pitcher anyway. Like, <laughs> do you think there's any situation where you get to the postseason and they just say, we're not going to do yes, this? Yes, I do. I do think that that's a possibility. 
because I think what's coming, and this will be the last thing. I you know we'll we'll wrap it up on this. Um, I think what's coming is is you know, and, and Aaron Nola said this to me. Um, wait till it's ninety five degrees and muggy and hot, and you know we're throwing out a ball every other pitch and see how long these games get and and yeah. and the like. And like they're they're gonna try and control the the length of game a little bit, and it's gonna make it make yeah. it even worse. I actually was just going to – I was going to bring that up. I said I wonder to what degree the players start to look at each other and say, like, let's slow this down yeah. to the to the degree we can. Yeah. I mean, the game was long – I mean, think about it. how long was the game Wednesday? Three and a half. Okay. And that was only – only went one extra inning, right? It went ten innings and it went three and a half. And now, of course, everybody will say, well, last year it would have been four and a half. And you're right. It would have been. It would have been four and a half. But they're already slowing the game down. And you know what? I would have liked it. I would have liked it if it was four and a half. <laughs> there you go. Up at nine, ten, the game's over. <laughs> I'm only on when I'm not working. You know, I'm working when I'm not down there. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, you got to unwind a little bit. A little you got bit. two young kids at home, and you're only on your second beer, and it's the ninth inning. I mean, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know. Love it. Oh, I love it. Come on now. Give me a little like ten twenty finish, right? That's like, right. Another hour. Let me get the th- third and fourth one before it's over. <laughs> it's oh, I don't want to drink my third beer and watch Ben Davis tell me something I already know. By the way, last thing on that, <laughs> you're going into the Brave series. Like, this is the series I think that most. If you're talking about casual fans finally tuning into the Phillies or whatever, and you got the Bra- it's Braves, right? This is a big first big series of the year, and you went with you went with the third guy. On this series, that's not a good call in BC Sports, and that's not knocking Ben. It's just he's not as good as either Amaro or Crook on that broadcast. He doesn't make. He makes. I think he hurts McCarthy. I, I, you know what I want? I want Batalico. I want Batalico in the booth. Let's get him off the best damn show, sports show. Be, that show. It would be interesting to see what he would do as in a game. I to hear him in game. Oh, I'll tell you what. Radio broadcast on Wednesday. At one point, uh, during that exchange in the in the whatever it was, the ten, yeah. Kimbrel, you know, they're behind the plate talking, and so Kimbrel can't throw or you know stay loose during this whole sequence. And, and Larry Anderson said something to the effect of like, you know, he should throw it, and you know, JT should miss it. <laughs> like, um, like Larry. Larry is definitely like so. My dad is uh, 70, 75, yeah, right? Yeah. And we, we go out to dinner or we go out to lunch, and he'll just say stuff, and you're like, well, "You can't say that," yeah. you know? Like, it's like so rude, yeah. like so like, off the wall. And you can't say that. I think like Larry's actually appro- like approaching that on the radio. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that he just implied that a Kimbrel warm up pitch that sail to the backstop and buzz someone. Yeah. You know, like, what are we doing? He's a gem, man. He's the best. A gem. He's the best. It's good stuff. I love it. I mean, because he, he speaks for the fan. I, I will say that. For yeah. sure. For sure. All right. Well, uh, here we go. Three more games against the Atlanta Braves this weekend. And Anthony and I will be back to talk about it on Monday morning. You can follow us on Twitter at the – if you're watching on YouTube, you can follow us on Twitter where you see there. Uh, at Up Phillies is the show count. At and Sam Philly is Anthony, and then I'm at Bob Wankel CB. Make sure that you do follow us on YouTube, watch shows Monday and Friday, and you can also follow us along Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere that you get your shows, and we will talk to you next week.